0: A warning this episode features dramatizations and discussions of human sacrifice, murder, and graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Something to note all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Aztec traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Sunlight glistened off Tenoch's bare arms and back as he made his way up the enormous stone-slab steps of the temple. It was just one of the many great buildings the Mexica had built since arriving in their new home. Here food and water were plentiful. The people were thriving. Everything Tenoch had ever hoped for had come to pass. But it had come at a great cost. When he reached the top, Tenoch turned to face the crowd gathered around the base of the temple. All of the Mexica had come to pay their respects.
1: My people! We are here today to remember the great god, Huitzilopochtli. It was he that led us to our new home. He who helped us defeat countless enemies.
0: The crowd roared with applause. Satisfied, Tenoj turned to the low stone altar. A small deer lay on the surface, its legs bound with twine. The deer's eyes shone with fear, as Tenoch drew his knife.
1: For the glory of the sun!
0: Tenoch plunged the knife between the animal's shoulder blades. Crimson blood sprayed the priest's arms and chest as he sawed through its back. A moment later, he pulled out its heart and held it up to the sun. For
1: Huitzilopochtli!
0: Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast Original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. Today, we're continuing the Aztec legend of the founding of Tenochtitlan. The city was home to the Aztecs, a fierce warrior tribe often known for dark rituals of human and animal sacrifice. Their history and the history of Tenochtitlan are bound to Huitzilopochtli, the god of the sun and war. It is his story that we tell today. Coming up, we'll continue the story of Tenochtitlan.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be.
3: New season out on Spotify soon.
0: Huitzilopochtli was born into violence and blood. The moment he jumped from his mother's womb, he was attacked by 400 siblings. He slayed a great number of them and threw their heads and limbs into the heavens to create the moon and stars. Huitzilopochtli would forever be reminded of the deaths, Wherever he went, the moon and stars followed. Sometimes, he thought that he could hear them whispering to him. And so, when an adventure presented itself, Huitzilopochtli leapt at the chance. Tenoch, priest of the Mexica, summoned the great warrior god and asked him to lead them to a new home. Huitzilopochtli agreed. Their travels were not without setbacks. Along the way, Huitzilopochtli's sister, Melina Xochitl, infiltrated their camp, bewitched Tenoch, and tormented the Mexica people with insects and scorpions. Huitzilopochtli wanted to kill her, but Tenoch begged him to let her live. So Huitzilopochtli led the Mexica away in the night, leaving his sister behind. His priest, Tenoch, was glad to be free of Molina Xochitl's spell, but his faith in Huitzilopochtli's leadership had begun to waver. The god had shown himself to be impulsive, short-sighted, and violent, and Tenoch was beginning to suspect that his devotion to the Mexica people came second to his own needs. As they traveled, Huitzilopochtli took a human form and walked alongside the Mexica people. He wore a feathered headdress, a beautiful chest plate, and sleeves of leather armor on his forearms. His mother had told him that he would know the Mexica's new home when he saw a lake in which there was an eagle holding a snake perched on top of a cactus, but he had never expected finding the place would be so difficult. After much wandering, the Mexica reached a fertile valley between a large lake and a small mountain. It seemed like a perfect place for the Mexica to settle, but they soon found that it was already inhabited. The people who lived there called it Chapultepec, meaning Hill of the Locusts. As the Mexica entered the village, Tenoch felt angry glares following him and heard dark whispers from the watching crowd. The people of Chapultepec seemed none too pleased with their visitors. I
1: sense trouble here, Huitzilopochtli. We should ask directions and be on our way. Nonsense. I am a god and you are my chosen people. This rabble will greet us with open arms. Or they will greet us with arms of another sort.
0: Huitzilopochtli ignored his priest and moved ahead through the town. When he asked the villagers who was in charge, they pointed him toward a hut at the base of the mountain, where a man named Kopiel resided. As Huitzilopochtli neared the hut, he smelled a terrible odor. It was surrounded by a dense swarm of buzzing locusts and flies. Stepping closer, he saw that the perimeter of the hut was lined with trenches of manure.
1: (coughs) Kopiel. Come outside so that I could speak with you.
0: After a moment, a man emerged from the door of his hut. His eyes were cold and narrow, and his hair dark as night. He wore bright red robes, and a swarm of locusts hovered around his hands.
1: Huitzilopochtli, what an honor. How do you know my name? My apologies for the smell. It is the bodies of those who have tried to pass through here. I bury them around my hut, as a warning to my enemies. It is a disgusting deterrent. But you and your people, Huitzilopochtli, you do not have to worry. You may stay and feast with us as long as you'd like.
0: Huitzilopochtli felt queasy. He couldn't tell if it was the rotten smell or the way Copil was eyeing him. Perhaps Tenoch was right. They should ask for directions and leave.
1: A kind offer, but we only seek passage through the mountains. Nothing more. Oh, that. (laughs) It's right there.
0: Huitzilopochtli turned to a small forest at the base of the mountain, The trees suddenly moved, unveiling a path. How did you do that? And how do you know my name?
1: I thought the family resemblance was obvious. I have no family. I have killed all but my mother. You are forgetting Melina Xochitl.
0: Huitzilopochtli froze, eyes wide with fear. He'd thought he was finished with Melina Xochitl when he left her behind, now yet another pest was after him.
1: I've waited so long to meet you, uncle. Mother told me so many stories. Your mother was a monster. Agreed. I see that you are not at all the monster she made you out to be, but a great warrior who has not yet lived up to his potential. Why not stop and settle here? This land is fertile and the food plentiful. Our people will be neighbors. Together, we can create a powerful empire. One large and prosperous family. We are fine on our own. Thank you for the directions.
0: Huitzilopochtli walked away from the tent, determined to lead his people out of the village as fast as possible. He did not trust Copil. Whatever the demigod said, his eyes glowed with the light of revenge, and he reeked of hatred. Huitzilopochtli had smelled that odor before on his siblings when they attacked him at birth. There was no doubt of it. Copil's gesture of friendship was a trap. That evening, Huitzilopochtli wandered away from the Mexica encampment to think. As he paced through the desert, he began to hear whispers echoing from the sky above. It was like the stars and moon were laughing at him. Huitzilopochtli put his hand to his ears and shut his eyes, but the whispering didn't stop. His siblings' voices echoed through his mind, taunting him. It felt like they were calling him a fool and a coward, saying that Copil would kill him and the Mexica while they slept. Huitzilopochtli fell to his knees and screamed. A rabbit shot out of the underbrush, startled by Huitzilopochtli's scream. As it darted across his path, the god lashed out instinctively and snatched the rabbit off the ground. It squirmed in his grasp, trying desperately to free itself. Huitzilopochtli's eyes flashed with rage and frustration. He was a god. Creation should bow to him. But everything from this rabbit to his siblings to the Mexica people had questioned him at every turn. Even his own priest, Tenoch, was beginning to doubt him. A burning rage overcame Huitzilopochtli. Without thinking, he reached into the rabbit's belly and tore it open. Then he scooped out the heart and tossed it into his mouth. Hmm. Huitzilopochtli swallowed the heart and threw the rabbit's body away. He wasn't sure why he'd done it and felt somewhat embarrassed for his loss of control, but before he could do anything, a sensation of intense heat coursed through his body. When he looked down at his blood-covered hands, he saw that they were glowing with strange, bright yellow light. He spread his palms and the light shot into the sky. The whispering noises instantly quieted. It was as if the light had created a barrier between him and the moon and stars, protecting him from their laughter.
1: (laughs) Yes! At last!
0: You are quiet! But a moment later, the light faded, and the whispers began to grow again. So Huitzilopochtli found another rabbit and ate that heart, His hands began to glow again, and Huitzilopochtli became manic with glee. He snatched up a porcupine and tore out its spines so he could get at its soft innards. Then he heard a spider monkey cawing as it swung through the trees. Huitzilopochtli caught it by the tail, tore out its heart, and ate it. His skin pulsed with light. (laughs) More! Next, he jumped on a jaguar, pressed his fingers so easily into its throat, he slid its skin down to the chest. He tore out the heart and bit into it, letting the blood run down his chin. Huitzilopochtli glowed. His body pulsed with power greater than anything he had ever known. There was no need to be afraid anymore. Let the stars and moon whisper behind his back. He was alive, and they were dead, and soon another family member would join them. He would tear the demigod Copil to pieces, and at last, the heavens and the earth would see and respect his power. Huitzilopochtli would be the god of war and strength, and all of creation would bow to his majesty. Up next, Huitzilopochtli embraces his inner warrior for better or for worse.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit AnytimeFitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details.
0: Now, back to the story. Huitzilopochtli had discovered the power of blood sacrifice. Each time he killed, he grew stronger, and his body glowed more brilliantly. He was eager to test out his newfound strength on the demigod, Kopiel.
1: Tell the people to ready their weapons. You think Kopiel intends to attack us? We will not give him the chance. We will attack first. Huitzilopochtli, no! These people are warriors. Let us keep moving like we planned. Of course you do not wish to fight them. It is just as I expected. What do you mean? I can see right through you, Tanoch. You think this demigod, Copial is your son! That's not true. I mean, I, I did consider, but it-, it doesn't matter. I am protecting my people, as I have always done. And you are leading us right into danger! My family has been trying to kill me since the moment I was born. If I don't destroy Copiel here and now, he will keep coming after us. But— I am confused. Is Tainoch the god and I the priest? No, my lord. Then do not question me again. We
0: attack tomorrow. Huitzilopochtli walked off to prepare, leaving Tainoch alone. Both the priest and the god were so consumed in their anger that they did not notice a locust listening to their conversation from a stalk of grass. As Tenoch walked away, the locust took flight. It flew back to Kolpil's hut and whispered a message in the demigod's ear. When it finished, Kolpil stood and walked out to gather his people.
1: Well, my friends, you were correct. The Mexica are the bloodthirsty warriors we expected. I welcomed them with open arms and an open heart, but they repay kindness with treachery. Gather your weapons. They plan to attack tomorrow? Well, they will be lucky if they see it.
0: That night, Tenoch woke to the sound of a stampede. Footsteps pounded the earth, Weapons jingled against hides. The priest rushed out of his tent to find the campsite burning and Kopil's army running amok. Many of his men lay dead already. The women were being dragged off and separated from their children. Then he saw him. Huitzilopochtli was at the center of the battle, surrounded by a mass of Kopil's men and glowing brighter than the moon. Tenoch watched in horror as his god cut out a man's heart and bit into it, spitting the flesh onto the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Huitilopochtli!
1: We must retreat!
0: Retreat?
1: Why? These mortals come apart like insects! In your hands, yes! But look around you! Our people are dying! I am a god and I will neither retreat nor surrender. Then face Copiel directly! You can defeat him! Once he falls, his people may flee! I am surprised, Tainoach. You realize that demigod might be your child? I thought you were trying to protect him. All I care about is protecting my people. If killing Copiel will save them, it must be done! Unless you are afraid to face him. I am no
0: coward. Then go! Huitzilopochtli simmered with anger. Tenoch was right about one thing. He could defeat Kopiel himself. Huitzilopochtli took the form of a hummingbird and flew off. He found Kopiel on the mountaintop, surveying the battle below. Huitzilopochtli landed behind him and burst into his human warrior form.
1: What took you so long, uncle? I told you, I have no family.
0: Huitzilopochtli rushed at Copil. The demigod lifted his arms and a cloud of locusts rose behind him. They rushed forward, swarming around Huitzilopochtli, biting at his arms and legs. Huitzilopochtli shut his eyes and began to glow. The locusts clinging to his body sizzled and evaporated. The others flew away, desperate to escape the sudden waves of heat emanating from the god. Huitzilopochtli opened his eyes and light shot from them. Kopil's mouth fell open and he stumbled backwards, but it was too late. Huitzilopochtli stepped forward and slapped the young demigod with an open backhand. Kopil crumpled to the ground, clutching his burning face. Huitzilopochtli leaned down and placed a glowing hand against Kopil's chest.
1: Uncle! Please! I... Ah!
0: screamed as his chest collapsed. Huitzilopochtli tore out his nephew's heart and held it above his head. He began to glow so brightly that the light created a barrier between the mountain and the sky above. Down below, the armies froze as light flooded the valley. Copil's followers saw their leader's ruined body and threw down their weapons in surrender. The Mexica stared in astonishment at their glowing god. Huitzilopochtli looked at Copiel's heart. It pulsed in his hand, leaking warm, crimson blood over his arms. Huitzilopochtli considered eating it as he had the animals, but something stopped him. Whatever he had said before, Copiel was family. Instead, the heart was thrown as far as possible into the nearby lake. Huitzilopochtli floated down from the mountain in human form, a broad smile on his face. He expected the Mexica to applaud him, but when he touched down, he was met with stares of terror and awe. My people, the demon Copiel is dead! We have won! The Mexica fell to their knees, prostrating themselves before Huitzilopochtli, Tears streamed from their eyes as they turned away from the brilliant light of their god. Tenoch watched them for a moment, astonished by what had just transpired. Then he, too, lowered himself to his knees. He had always known that Huitzilopochtli was a great and powerful god. That was why he had called upon him and asked him to guide the Mexica, but this power was greater, and more terrifying, than anything he had ever seen. The Meshika departed once again, taking the path that Copial had pointed out. By this point, many decades had passed since they had left their old home of Astlan. A new generation had been born, and only Tenoch and a few other elders remembered their original home. Eventually, they came to a new settlement along the shore of the lake. This place was called Colhuacan, ruled by a king named Cochcochtli. Huitzilopochtli wasn't scared of a fight, but Tenoch feared another battle like the last one. He begged the god once again to ask for directions. King Cochcochtli directed the Mexica to an area east of his kingdom called Tizapan. This, he said, was a fertile land that might be the place the Mexica sought. But when they arrived, all they found was a putrid swamp. The king had tricked them.
1: Look at this soil, Huitzilopochtli. It is rotten. How will we eat? Tell your people to catch every living creature they can find. Cut open their underbellies and remove their hearts. Bring the hearts to me. There are not many animals to be found in a swamp, my god. We simply cannot survive here for long. You will not need to. Bring me the hearts, and you will see.
0: Tenoch did as Huitzilopochtli asked. Once the people had searched the area as best they could, he brought the god a basket of hearts. Most were tiny, taken from the bodies of rodents and frogs, but Huitzilopochtli swallowed them all, one by one. After the last heart had disappeared down the god's throat, he stretched out his arm over the ground. Tenoch stared in awe as Huitzilopochtli's hands began to pulse with golden light. The ground shifted, and a single blade of grass broke the surface. Another followed, and then another, and another, Soon, a small patch of the swamp had become a verdant field, ripe for farming.
1: Huitzilopochtli, you have saved us once again! I should never have doubted you. Have the people rest here and regain their strength. They will need it for when we return to Colhuacan. Go back? But why? We have a debt to repay. Remember, I was not the one that gave you this fertile land. We must thank the Kolwakan king for his hospitality. But he thought he was sending us into a swamp. Indeed, and we will repay his trickery with death. We will wipe his people from the face of the earth. Their blood will nourish the land. I will tear their hearts from their chests and swallow them, and all will see the might of the Meshika and know my power.
0: Coming up, Huitzilopochtli finally finds the new place. Now back to the story. Huitzilopochtli and the Mexica were still searching for their new home when they came across a place called Colhuacan. The king of the region directed them to an area where they could settle, but when they arrived they found it to be an uninhabitable swamp. But the Mexica were not defeated yet. Huitzilopochtli taught them how to give him strength through animal sacrifice. He used his power to turn the swamp into a lush field where the Mexica could rest and grow crops. The priest, Tenoch, was overjoyed until he learned what Huitzilopochtli had planned next.
1: Why start a war with the Coacan? This is senseless, Huitzilopochtli. It will only lead to more bloodshed. Don't you understand, Tenoch? Blood is life. It was blood that turned this swamp into fertile land. In time, all that has grown here will wither and die unless we nourish it. With, with blood, I can make the Mexica people more powerful than you could ever imagine. But it is our blood that you shed. If you start a war with the Kuwakan, Thousands of Mexica will die! Sacrifices must be made. If you are not willing to do what is necessary, I will find another priest. This was never about the Mexica. It was only ever about your power, your glory. You are a bloodthirsty, murderous god, just like your siblings! I have suffered your impudence long enough, priest. I am the god of the Mexica. I am light. I am war. I am life.
0: Huitzilopochtli's eyes glowed with fury as he seized Tenoch by the throat. The smell of burning flesh filled Huitzilopochtli's nostrils. He looked down and saw that the skin of Tenoch's neck was melting beneath his hands. He dropped the priest and stepped back, suddenly ashamed of what he had done. (coughs) You are
1: death. Very well. I have tried my best to guide the Mexica. But time and time again, you question my judgment. If you know what is best, then clearly you have no more need for me.
0: Huitzilopochtli transformed into a hummingbird and took off into the sky. He flew all the way back to Serpent Mountain. When he arrived, he found it empty. Mother, mother, are you home? Huitzilopochtli wandered through the halls, calling for his mother, Kotlikyu. He had not seen her since leaving to lead the Mexica. Finally, he reached the bedchamber where he had been born. Some of the stones were still stained red from the blood of his siblings. It looked like Kotlikyu had tried to scrub them clean to no avail. Huitzilopochtli sat on the bed and began to weep. He felt lost confused and lonely. The Meshika did not want him. Tenoch thought him a murderer. Before that, his own siblings had hated him so much that they had tried to kill him. Even his mother had abandoned him. Huitzilopochtli looked up as he heard the familiar whisper. It was the stars and the moon watching him through an open window. They were taunting him, just as they always had."
3: Leave me alone! Huitzilopochtli?
0: The god spun around. His mother stood in the doorway, dressed in her skirt of snakes and holding her bucket and broom.
3: You are home, my son!
1: I have failed, mother. The Mexica do not
3: want me anymore. Have you failed, or have you run away?
0: Huitzilopochtli stared at the ground in shame. He could not look up, even as his mother put down her bucket and took his hand. Come here. Let me show you something. Kotlikyu took Huitzilopochtli's hand and led him to the window. She cleared the clouds so he could see the earth below. Look at your people.
3: They are struggling without you. Their food is dried up. The grass is brittle. Your priest prays for your return.
1: You are wrong. He hates me.
3: See for yourself.
0: Huitzilopochtli looked down. Just as his mother had said, Tenoch was kneeling on a hilltop, eyes shut in prayer. Tears welled in Huitzilopochtli's eyes.
1: Tenoch was always loyal to me, and I repaid it with cruelty. All I ever did was lead his people into danger, and I never found the new place.
0: But you did! Look! Look! Codlicue pointed to a large lake next to where the Mexica were camped. In the center of the lake was a large island, big enough for a civilization to flourish, and in the center of the island, a cactus grew. That is the lake where you threw Copil's heart.
3: The cactus? Did that grow from the heart? You are correct. But what about the eagle and the snake? I represent the snake. The wisdom and strength of the earth, and you, my son, must become the eagle. Not because you are powerful, but because you will always provide support and protection. But the cost is too
1: great. I do not want to be a killer like my siblings. Listen to them laughing at me. They have never stopped tormenting me.
3: (sighs) Oh, my son, they are not laughing, not in the slightest. They are asking you to join them. Join them? They are weary, Huitzilopochtli. They cannot light the whole earth on their own, but your light is so strong. They need you beside them.
0: Huitzilopochtli's eyes widened. Suddenly, he understood. The Mexica did need him, as did the Kolwakan and every living plant and creature on his mother's earth. He was not meant to lead one race of people to greatness, but to shine on all of them. But he still had a promise to keep. Huitzilopochtli turned into a large, colorful eagle and flew down to the earth. There he found Tenoch deep in prayer and spoke to him through his dreams. Huitzilopochtli, please forgive
1: me. I was wrong to doubt you after all you have done for us. No, Tenoch. I am the one who was wrong. I was consumed by power and glory and forgot my duty to our people. I would have led them into danger if not for you. But listen, I have found the new place. When you awaken, lead the tribe south until you reach a lake. There you will find an island, and I will be waiting in the center. Thank you. We can never repay you. There is more. And it will not be easy to hear. Once you reach this land, I will no longer be able to lead you in the same way that I have. I must become something new. Something akin to my siblings you see in the sky now. The moon and the stars? But they are hardly alive. I'm sorry, my god. I don't understand. Sacrifices must be made by everyone. I will bring your people prosperity but you must keep me shining bright. It will cost many lives. This is not for my glory, but for the sake of the Mexica. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it.
0: Huitzilopochtli flew off to the island. He picked up a snake in his mouth and stood on top of the cactus. Not long after, Tenoch and the Mexica arrived. Their faces were skeptical as they surveyed the island. The lake offered natural protection against invaders, but the soil was hard and the grass brittle. Then Tenoch saw the eagle lift off from the cactus. As it soared into the sky, it began to glow, growing larger and brighter by the second. Soon its blinding light filled the heavens, turning the sky a pale shade of blue, As the light spread, the island seemed to come alive. Grass sprang from the soil, flowers bloomed, algae grew in the streams and rivers, luring fish from the depths of the ocean. The Mexica looked around in astonishment and rejoiced. They were home. In the coming years, Tenoch sacrificed countless animals, offering their hearts and blood to Huitzilopochtli. But eventually, the light began to fade, and the crops started to wither and die. Tenoch knew what had to be done. It was not just the animals who drew their life from the sun, but the Mexica people themselves. Sacrifices needed to be made, and Tenoch would be the first. Tenoch trained a young priest to complete the ritual. He knew that through his blood, the Mexica would thrive. So he climbed to the top of the temple and handed a knife to his successor.
1: May my death serve as a lesson to our people. We live on this earth and beneath the sun. Life grows and dies and begets more life. It is through sacrifice that we earn our place in the cycle. Thank you, Huitzilopochtli. Uh, uh...
0: The stone knife felt cold as it plunged into Tenoch's chest. He tasted metal and heard his heart hammering in his ears. Warm blood dripped down his front, but he stared straight ahead the sun seemed to expand before him. Blinding light flooded his vision, enveloping the Mexica, the temple, and finally, Tenoch himself. After his death, the sun shone as bright as ever. The Mexica named the city Tenochtitlan, after their brave priest. They became great warriors, as strong as the sun itself, And thus, the Aztec people were born. The legend of the founding of Tenochtitlan can be challenging for modern audiences. Many of the values promoted by the narrative feel more than a little dated, particularly its embrace of violence and bloodshed. It's important to remember that one of the functions of myths like this was to make sense of past historical events. Assuming that the Aztecs did travel from Aztlan to Tenochtitlan, as the legend says, it seems likely that the journey was quite long and marked by violent clashes with other tribes. Even taking that reality into account, the role ritual sacrifice plays in myth feels particularly abhorrent to modern sensibilities. Human sacrifice was, in fact, a significant part of Aztec culture. How often and how many people were executed has not been confirmed. We do know that the sacrificial persons were a combination of war prisoners, enslaved peoples, and in some cases, even Aztec citizens. The Aztecs believed that they needed to perform these rituals in order to maintain the strength of the sun. To be sacrificed for Huitzilopochtli was considered a great honor. Today, these sacrifices are all that many people know about the Aztecs, but they were a strong and technologically advanced civilization with a rich, complex culture. They had a sophisticated agricultural system and built a powerful military. Tenochtitlan eventually grew to about 400,000 inhabitants, making it the most densely populated place in all of Mesoamerica. When Cortes and the Spanish arrived in Mexico in 1519, they were appalled by the Aztecs' practice of sacrifice. They had no interest in understanding their culture, and despite receiving a warm welcome in Tenochtitlan, quickly sought to capture the city. The fall of Tenochtitlan in 1521 marked the effective end of the Aztec Empire. Today, many aspects of Aztec culture have been lost to history. The legend of the founding of Tenochtitlan serves as a unique window into their civilization. Its importance can be seen today in the Mexican flag, which contains the image of an eagle holding a snake standing on top of a cactus. It's more than just the icon of Huitzilopochtli, the god of sun, war, and human sacrifice. It's a symbol of the Mexican people's Aztec heritage, of the great city of Tenochtitlan, and most importantly, a symbol of home. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on the founding of Tenochtitlan, amongst the many sources we used, we found Mesoamerican Mythology by Matt Clayton extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Mythology, for free, from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales, Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark, classic tale. Join us next week for another epic story.
1: Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Stacey Lee Nemec, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tom Bauer, Joe Hernandez, KG Tang, and Rebecca Thomas. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson.